steal, and Puss with the chain. And St. John's takes down number three, Villanova. A signature win for Mike Anderson. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And for those of you who have been listening for a while to this show, uh, you'll be happy to know that this is our 100th episode. Uh, over four seasons I've done this show. This is show number 100, at least as far as I know. I may be off by a few, but I think this is officially the 100th show. And what more of an on-brand way to ring in our 100th show, to celebrate our 100th show, than to be talking about a blowout Big East loss and a blowout loss so bad that it is what I believe to be the first time ever that I am recording a show during the game while the game is still going on. Uh, I don't have a TV in here. I'm in a a side room here. Uh, I see 6.37 left in the second half, and I started preparing to record this with about eight minutes left in the second half. Right now, St. John's is down 84-54 to to Creighton. They will fall to 10-6. They will fall to 2-3 in the Big East, and they kick off what is going to be a crucial uh, four-game stretch to their season. Creighton a home-and-home with Seton Hall, and then at Villanova uh, two weekends from now, they kick off that four-game stretch in probably the worst way that you can do so. As they just get absolutely embarrassed, literally from the opening tip, down 20-7 to before you can even really blink, before you can even get settled in wherever you're watching this game, it's 20-7 to right off the bat. And outside of a couple spurts here and there, the game was never really that close. Down by 15 in the in the to start the second half, and then really run out of the gym right as the second half kicks uh, tips off. Just an absolutely pathetic, pathetic performance from a team that had such high expectations this season. And yet here we are again. It's January 19th. Here we are again, looking like we are with with Butler, we are with Georgetown, and we are with DePaul at the bottom of this conference. Year after year after year after year after year. Same you-know-what, different year. This was supposed to be the NCAA tournament year. This was supposed to be the year that... Not only did we make the tournament, but we won a tournament game. We got all these transfers coming in. All this talent coming back. Three best players coming back. Down by 30 to Creighton on the road. Down by, down so much that I am recording a show while the game is going on. Because there's no point to watch the final eight minutes. And I'm not subjecting myself to that torture. And I don't blame you if you didn't either. Because I didn't. What an absolute disgrace. In a game that was so important, the most important game of the season for St. John's. I heard people saying, if you listen to WFN, Brandon Tierney, who does the games on the radio sometimes, saying, this is when the season starts tonight. And not only do you lose, but you embarrass yourself against a Crane team that's not that good. You let Alex O'Connell, the seventh-year senior, look like look like he's Larry Bird out there. Guys, right now he's six of nine from three-point range. He's got twenty-eight points. 
You let a team that is, I think, 300. This is not the Doug McDermott Creighton teams. This is not a Creighton team from last season. This is a Creighton team that came into this game, I believe, 300th in the country in three-point shooting. Currently, they're 13 of 23 from three, 59%. Going to give up 100 points to this team. They could have scored 100 on you. They might. I don't know. There's still five minutes left when I'm looking. What an absolute disgrace. And it's just time to accept, guys. This is not a very good team right now. This is a bad team right now. They can beat Georgetown. They can beat DePaul because they're probably a step higher than those guys. But this is the seventh or eighth best team in this conference. Let's be let's be realistic here, guys. Right now. Crane just showed they're a hell of a lot better than you. UConn, Providence, Xavier, Seton Hall. What do you think Marquette is going to do to this team? What do you think Villanova is going to do to this team? Right now, you are exactly where you've been for basically the last decade, and that's 7th, 8th, ninth in the conference right now. And right now, this team is just a mediocre, mediocre team. Mediocre to bad team right now. As a team, they do very little well. And it starts at the top with the coaching. They aren't coached well. How do you come out that unprepared for this game? Mike Anderson got got completely outcoached tonight by McDermott. And he's been getting outcoached pretty much all season by pretty much any opponent that St. John's has had. Do we have a game plan? Is there any sort of game plan going into these games? I, I feel like I'm watching the Mullen and the Lavin era all over again. Where the practices were just roll the ball out there and do shoot around and do layup lines. What is the plan going into these games? Every other team seems like they have a plan for something, that they're going to attack us with this. They're going to do this to us. Is our plan just, ah, we'll do 40 minutes of hell and we'll get a couple turnovers? We don't even do that well. We don't even press well. At least the teams the last couple of years pressed well and caused caused some havoc. We don't even do that well because we can't make layups. This team as a team does so little well. And they've now shown, unless you get absolute virtuoso performances from Julian Champagny, who's now up to 17 points, by the way, so he's going to have a very hollow game uh, when, when it mattered, he did absolutely nothing tonight. Unless you get an absolutely crazy performance from Julian Champagny, you got basically no shot. Unless Champagny and Posh and Wusu are basically out of their minds, you're not, you're not going to win very many games. You need Champagny to score 25, 30 points every single game to have a shot. What, like, what is the plan? What, what are we doing? There's just no game plan on either side of the ball, but especially on offense. You see Creighton running these plays to get wide open three after wide open three after wide open three. O'Connell to this point has made six threes. What were five of them wide open and one of them he got fouled on? Why are we not doing that? The shot selection to start that game was horrendous. And that's what led you getting out of the gate slow, was the horrible shot selection. But I just, I, I want to know what the game plan is. What What is the plan going into these games? Because right now it falls back on coaching. They're not a well-coached team. They, you, can, you can say what you want about the first two seasons. This is not a well-coached team right now. I don't know if it's the guy's not able to execute his system or what. But to come out that unprepared and to look that horrible in a really, really important game, it's embarrassing. It's flat out embarrassing. And I feel embarrassed now. 
and I feel embarrassed for myself and everyone listening to this that we're all going to be at the garden three days from now watching this crap. In, 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 a, in an arena that's probably going to be 40% Seton Hall fans, by the way. Because we're the idiots that keep paying money to watch this and keep getting angry over this nonsense. Very, very frustrating game. Very, very frustrating game in what's been a very, very frustrating season so far for St. John's. They're down 87-62 right now as I'm recording this with three minutes left. Did any? I, no one played well. Posh Alexander, I thought, actually played well. He shot four of eight. He was tenacious on the defensive end. He had eight, uh, He had a couple assists. Champagne right now is 7 of 21, but he opened up 1 of 12, I believe. You're never going to win a game when he shoots like that. But even when he has a game like that, to be down 30 to Creighton is a joke. I don't care if Champagne's 0 for 15. You should never, under any circumstances, be down by 30 to this Creighton team. That's got what? Five new starters? How many new pieces does this Creighton team have? And they made you look like like terrible tonight. They made you look like you didn't know what the game of basketball was. Just inexcusable. Totally, totally inexcusable. And now you put yourself in a hole. Because we all said, gotta go two and two in this stretch. Gotta go two and two in this stretch. Gotta go two and two in this stretch. You're gonna take two of three now from Seton Hall and Villanova? Because that's the good because this was the easy one. Now you gotta play a Seton Hall team that's right on the outside of the top 25 and a Villanova team that doesn't look like they can lose right now. That's won what, six in a row? I don't know what they're doing tonight. They won six in a row. That's coming up. And the argument that we have so many opportunities, we have so many quad one opportunities. I've always thought to myself, the problem is we got to win those games. You can't just play them. You don't get credit just for playing them. Just having an opportunity doesn't mean that you're going to take advantage of that opportunity. And so far, Indiana, uh, Kansas, you don't even want to say Pitt, UConn, Providence, they haven't taken advantage of one opportunity that they've had. Going to be 0-5 in quad one now. Until this team starts actually competing and winning these quad one games, I'm not going to believe that they can do it. And that's the problem. This is year three now. This is supposed to be a year that we were a top four Big East team, top four, top five at worst Big East team, that we made the tournament, that we competed and tried to win a tournament game. And I'm sitting here on January 19th, five game, a quarter of the way into Big East play, and we look like we're in the exact same spot that we've been in for the last decade. And that is maddening as a fan. That drives me crazy as a fan. That we feel like we're in the exact same spot that we were in in 2017, that we were in 2013, that we were in 2006. Who cares what the number is? Same spot we've been in for years. And it drives me and it should drive you crazy. That we right now look closer to Georgetown and DePaul than we do to Villanova and UConn and, and Seton Hall. 
We look closer to ninth and 10th in this conference right now than we do to second and third and even fourth. And it's a disgrace. And it's an absolute disgrace. But now, hey, you've dug yourself in this hole. You got to get out of it. You know, you got to figure out a way now to to somehow uh, uh, win two out of three against uh, against Seton Hall and, and Villanova. It's the only that's 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 I guess your, your your plan there. But you got these are the games you had to win. Yeah, you had to to win these games on the road against Creighton because these are the teams that you're going to be battling for for an NCAA tournament bid. Creighton, Marquette, the Big East isn't getting ten teams in. Six or seven are going to get in. These are the teams you're going to be on the bubble with. Now Creighton has a has a 30-point win over you, or a 25-point, whatever the hell it ends up being. They're up 23 right now with 49 seconds. So I guess it's going to be a 23-point win. Just an absolute, absolute disgrace tonight. Got to start winning some of these games. And to not even look competitive in this game is just a joke. It's just a joke. I'm sorry. All right, I'm going to be joined in a second by uh, Brendan Myers. Going to have him on. Maybe we'll actually talk about the the game now instead of me just yelling into the mic here uh, about how frustrated I am. So hope you guys enjoy that. And uh, I'll be back on the other end to wrap it up. All right, I'm now joined by our longest tenured guest. He comes on after yet another loss. I feel like our record with you on this show is like 1-15, in but we'll get to that later. It is the man, Brendan Myers. Brendan, how you doing today? Great, Troy. Good to be on for the first time this season. We were just talking about it before we started recording. All these late tip-offs haven't been very kind to me, but just happy that the, the 7 p.m. tip worked for us. Just very unhappy that that happened to be the game that tipped off at 7 p.m. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I feel like we were, we were kind of asking for it. You know, having having you on, you know, in a big game, in a game that we had to win. I should have had you on, like, for the DePaul game or, you know, maybe even Georgetown. Like, an easier one to kind of ease us back in. I feel like just us two together talking about a game is just, it's a bad combo for St. John's. It's bad mojo. Yeah, but they can never take away the Big East tournament game when St. John's closed on a 23 to nothing run. You are right. They, they, can, they can never take that away from us. We do have, now, in that one, though, we're in person. So maybe we have to, like, watch every game together in person person that we're going to do it and then maybe that'll change the mojo you know that's fine that's fine <laughs> i don't know problem all right let's get into uh the loss tonight st john's do we have to uh, we can end it here if you want i mean i'm, I'm cool <laughs> <laughs> um st john's absolutely run out of the gym 87 64 uh really wasn't even that close they probably could have lost by 50 uh as i told you i didn't even watch the last eight minutes uh, don't blame you if you did the same, but let's hear your just your main takeaway about this game and and this lack of performance from St. John's. Um, yeah, no, it was over before it started. Uh, pretty simply, I mean, what uh, Creighton opened up, it was twenty to seven at the first stoppage, right? Mm-hmm. If, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then you know the one question I have, and and Troy, let me know if you have some insight on this. Is you know it seemed that. When Anderson went to the lineup that had Stanley and Wheeler, it uh, seemed that, that St. John's, you know, kind of started to get back into it. Mm-hmm. Nemhard started to get a little rattled by Posh. It seemed that Creighton's second unit really wasn't able to handle the pressure. And, and St. John's got it to within seven. And then just he Anderson went back to the starting lineup and things just got disastrous from there. The lead ballooned back up to, I think, 15 at half, maybe yep. even 17. Yeah, 15. And, mm. and then, 
they come out in the second half and Creighton opens up the score 17 to five against them to open up the second half. So the, you know, I, I want to ask about the rotations. That mm-hmm. doesn't make a ton of sense to me because it seems that whenever St. John's has uh, momentum going into one of the media timeouts, it always seems that there's a lineup change made coming out of those timeouts that halt the momentum or, or something that goes wrong. And then what is going on before they come out of the locker room? Cause, mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't, it, it probably hasn't been as bad as, as it was tonight, but I mean, it's not like St. John's gotten off to hot starts, no. you know, at all really this season mm-hmm. and, and coming out. Of, I don't know why this team feels that it needs to be punched in the face first to wake up. Mm-hmm. And, and tonight's a prime example that sometimes you just can't get yourself off of the mat. Sometimes you just get, sometimes you just dig yourself into too deep of a hole to start. I mean, mm-hmm. it, tonight really, I mean, it was really, really bad. I mean, I, you know, nobody listening is going to, you know, act like that's some high-level analysis saying it was really bad. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I'm not sure if in the Anderson era we've we've seen that poor of an effort. And no. if you can think of one off the top of your head, let no. me know. But, no, that was a very uh, That was a very Mullen, even Lavin era performance tonight where it was just over before. I don't think we've had a game under Anderson that was, I mean, maybe Villanova last year, but that's Villanova. That's a different story. I don't think we've had a game like that. And I think you made a great point there about, you know, they've done this really all season. You know, Indiana, they were down double digits early. Kansas, the same thing. Uh, even against, you know, some of these low majors that they played, you know, those games were close, you know, at halftime or even into the second half. Like you said, there's going to be games when you dig yourself a hole and you're you're just not able to to figure it out and come back. And I feel like maybe they've, you know, gotten kind of comfortable with that, like saying that, you know, no matter how much we're down in the first half, we're down 15 in the first half. It's okay. We got time to come back. Uh, But it's just a trend that just doesn't, doesn't lead to good results. And tonight you kind of saw that. No. And I think it, you know, part of the, the question here is, do we need a starting lineup change? If you're, if you're Mike Anderson, do you, do we as a team need a, a lineup change because mm-hmm. right now I think the two guys that you look at in that starting lineup are uh, are Mathis and Soriano, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is that a fair? You yeah. think the other three are pretty much shoe ins? Yeah, I agree. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, Mathis finishes the game with three steals but two points. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the one play in the first half, he gets a steal, gets out in transition, gets fouled, but then misses, misses both, both of the free throws. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with Mathis, you knew the, the offense, based on his career at Rutgers, was, was kind of going to come and go in waves. Mm-hmm. And you probably couldn't always rely on him. But, you know, you got to make those two free throws when you're doing the hard work on defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm not sure if if Anderson knows what this team's best five is. And mm-hmm. what, what what's striking to me is that when it seems that he's got a five that's, that's rocking well together like he does, Tonight, and it's not that Stanley played perfect, and it's not that Wheeler played perfect, but for whatever reason, uh, when those two guys were in with Posh and Julian and either Dylan or, or Steph Smith, it, it seemed that things were clicking better than with the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, uh, it reverts back to that starting lineup, and, and the particularly shocking one was coming out of half. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that was the one that just uh, that just did not make sense to me at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he went, was it the same five, I believe, right, that he went with? I think, I think he went with the starting lineup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what Like what are you doing there? Like, that lineup got blown off the floor, the floor for the first, you know, five minutes of the game. You're going to do the same thing. And then the same result happened. And, you know, you talk about Wheeler, and we were texting about this. You know, Wheeler was played a great couple of minutes, uh, had a couple of dunks, uh, hit that three. 
and then he takes him out, and then he doesn't come back for what you know the, the, until the 15 minute mark of the second half. I just I don't understand. Like you mentioned, it just seems like he's still tinkering and trying to figure out you know what's my best five for this scenario. You know what you know what group of two or three guys plays well together. Like that shouldn't be the case five games into the Big East season where we're still trying to figure stuff out, especially when you played a non-conference schedule that was that soft. Like you had so much time to figure out lineups and figure out who fits where and define roles for these guys. And I mean, it doesn't feel like one guy outside of Champagny and maybe Posh has a defined role of this is what you do on this team. And that's a huge problem because it just doesn't look like we have any cohesiveness across any lineup that we put out there. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the roles because, you know, it. this team clearly wants to press and they want to get on into transition, right? Mm-hmm. That's what the yeah. broadcasters shove down your throat for 40 <laughs> minutes yep. is that St. John's wants to get out. But, you know, there's obviously going to be teams that are able to handle the pressure, and that's fine. You're playing major Division One college basketball, Villanova, Creighton. Like, those teams are – UConn to a certain extent, you know – you these teams are going to be able to handle the press. So mm-hmm. you're going to need to have a plan B when you're not able to capitalize on your opponent's errors. Mm-hmm. And and there's way too many just, you know, kind of in the half-court sense, walk the ball up the court. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, one one chest pass across court, catch and shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, one and done. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was unfortunately something we were criticizing the Mullen regime yeah. for. You know, mm-hmm. it's a different coach now. It's a different crop of players. Uh, no holdovers from the Mullen teams. And, and it still feels like this team struggles to create offense in, in half-court sets. And, you know, you know, credit to Creighton. You know, Alex O'Connell did a great job. Uh, guarding Julian Champagne because I, yeah. I think he finished with above 20 points but it was not a good shooting my friend mm-hmm. yeah he was 7 and 21 I think it was, yeah. yeah I think mm-hmm. it was largely because O'Connell you know is a, is a long body mm-hmm. you know, guard he did a pretty good job so mm-hmm. you have to give credit there but you know you're not always going to be bailed out by a brilliant player you know mm-hmm. at, at UConn they were bailed out by a brilliant player mm-hmm. and you know, the one thing too that, that sticks out is like you know we talked about how bad the start was at the beginning of the game mm-hmm. Creighton wasn't doing anything except running down the court faster. <laughs> it was it was nothing but effort, and yeah. that's the most frustrating part. Watching is because you know it, there's going to be games, and you know particularly with Creighton, actually over the past couple of years, when you have guys like Zagorowski mm-hmm. and, and Balik who who were just going to go nuts and they were going to pull up from 35 feet, yeah. you know, to a certain extent, you just kind of had to deal with it. But you know they were just getting beat down the floor tonight in the first five minutes. That's why it opened up 20 to seven. Mm-hmm. You know. Creighton would get not even long rebounds. They would just pick it up in their own paint, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden they'd have a three on two the other way. And had, you know, St. John's had had you know three or four defenders up by mid court. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, that's that was it. Really, was infuriating to watch. Mm-hmm. And going back to the to the offensive end too, you talked about Champagny and, and you know the the offense, like. It's year three of him now, but you know he's he's shown maybe a propensity to maybe start a little bit slow in certain games. We, we've definitely seen that at points this season. Like, why are we not scheming up plays to just you know get him good looks, get him you know open shots? I know that he he does generally move pretty well without the ball, but it still just feels like a lot of his shots when he's not 
on when he's not on his game they feel like they're forced shots and it just doesn't feel like anything is easy for him we're not getting him in a rhythm at all we have you know two guys Adewusu is a really good passer Posh is a pretty good passer as well we, we aren't able to get him consistent good looks easy looks I guess I should say uh, when he's struggling and I think that's a major major issue because like you said in, in, in the start of this game you know it was a lot of just long three rebound Creighton's out on the run in transition either a three or a layup on there and, and it just it was over and over again. I just I wonder why they can't game plan more just to get Champagne good looks early in games, maybe. Yeah, no, even if it's something simple like just isolating him on the block or something mm-hmm. and getting, yeah. him, getting him an elbow jump shot. You don't need to reinvent the wheel or anything or come up with these complex offensive systems because Champagne's shown he's got the ability to score at all three levels. Mm-hmm. So if you just, you know, isolate him on one side, either he's going to get the shot he wants because he's shown that he is elite at getting the shot that he wants. He gets to the to the spot he wants to get to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's obviously been exceptions like tonight with O'Connell and stuff. But, you know, either he gets the shot he wants or a double comes and he is a very capable passer. Yeah. He's, not a, he's not a great passer, not an elite passer, but he is capable enough mm-hmm. to be able to pass out of double teams and stuff. And you would think with, you know, the emergence of Aaron Wheeler over the past couple of games, Steph Smith has shown he's a decent three-point shooter. I think it's probably not at the clip that you expected mm-hmm. when, when you heard he was transferring to St. John's. But even, like, you look at Soriano, right? Mm-hmm. And and the reason I think so many St. John's fans wanted a big man uh, in the mold of, of Soriano, and I know he's probably underperformed a little bit, mm-hmm. but... You know, obviously the defensive rebounding purposes on the other end of the court. But also, when the other team was on a run, maybe a 6-0, 8-0 run, maybe 10-2, 10-4, something like that, mm-hmm. you wanted to be able to have a guy that you could just throw it down to on the low low block, go over his left shoulder, throw it up with his right hand, yep. and just get, just get easy baskets. I mean, did we see that once tonight? No. No, and we don't see that really ever. You know, his only post move is that little hook shot that he does. It, we just don't see that from Soriano. It's never easy for him, and that yeah, that's an issue as well. I think is just yeah, he, he he's not. I don't know. I don't want to say he's not. He's not like the offensive big man that I think I thought. He's not as talented offensively. I guess I'll say yeah. that I thought he was. You know. I uh, shown it in glimpses. Hasn't really done it consistently. Yeah. And, and tonight we might be being a little. We might be. A little unfair to him just because you had Kalkbrenner on the other side who's 7-1. Yeah. That's not an ideal matchup to, you mm-hmm. know, for baby hook shots and stuff like that. <laughs> but then on the flip side, right, why not try to go small with Kalkbrenner, like w- with Wheeler mm-hmm. at, at the five and play small ball and drag Kalkbrenner out of the paint? Mm-hmm. And, and, because there were times when Soriano was on the floor, Kalkbrenner was just sitting down there and you'd have Posh trying to drive. And, you know, not that he was blocking a ton of shots, but there were legitimate alterations at the rim. Mm-hmm. And that wheeler Champagne combo worked so well for them, too, against UConn in that game. That was the whole reason why they came back at the end of that UConn game, was having Wheeler and Champagne on the floor together. Yeah, and I just don't understand the rotations and everything. I mean, we've gone over it a hundred times. We, we know. You know, the, the rotations, they're just not crisp and they're not correct right now in my opinion uh to what they should be i want to touch on on something else too and that's uh the defense and the the defensive pressure uh you know the 40 minutes of hell like you like you were kind of talking about before well they seem to have completely abandoned it right yeah like but is it time to just kind of stop pressuring at all because it, it doesn't seem like it works really against these high level teams they break whatever pressure you're trying to do pretty easily and then it leads to wide open shots like what's your what's your take on on the the pressure that we give 
Well, we, we were talking about this a little bit with, with Kevin yesterday, right? Uh-huh. I, I mean, I, I would do just about any... I, I should be calling the NCAA to see if Nick Rutherford has any <laughs> has any uh, extra years of eligibility. But, and, you know, not that he would solve a ton on the offensive end. He had his, he had his struggles there. Mm-hmm. But there, there's just a certain presence and a certain setting of the tone. Mm-hmm. And, and you get it to a certain extent with Posh. But... You know, when you go with a backcourt per se, and this is often what what Anderson will do coming out of the first time out or something, is when you get a, a backcourt of, of Posh and and Steph Smith, right? Mm-hmm. We see that pairing a lot. Yeah, that's a small backcourt. That's a short backcourt. Mm-hmm. And and it's not to say that that they can't do it because I mean Posh won Defensive Player of the Year last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But Posh is to me watching him for a season now. Season and a half, I should say. His defensive strength really isn't like straight up on ball defending. You know what I mean? It's yeah. being like a pest. Does yeah. that make sense? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so he it's great when you you know he needs to be paired with a backcourt player who who's who's a little bit taller, which is why theoretically Mathis, Mathis. would be a decent mm-hmm. uh, pairing for him. But you know that you sacrifice a fair amount of offense with that pairing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and right now. I think you know it's kind of like you know what we saw in year four with with Mullen's roster. It's a it's definitely a talented roster, but it's a flawed roster at that. And you haven't really found a lineup that can play complementary basketball. It's, it just seems like no matter what five they they put out there, they're always giving something up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's I think also the frustrating thing is the talent. And you know, like you look at Montez Mathis and Aaron Wheeler, and Wheeler's obviously played well, but like these are guys who especially Mathis, you know, would fit the Anderson system, right? Like these are guys that we brought in that we thought were 100% going to be fit. Soriano, obviously you had the question marks about, and I think those have been warranted so far, but it just, it it feels like they're, you know, a guy like Montez Mathis should not be struggling to play in this system, you know, given what we know about him, given his size, like you mentioned, it it shouldn't be this hard for him to be, you know, fitting in and, and being a good fit in the system that Anderson likes to run. I think that's the frustrating thing. Thing too as well yeah and with Mathis we've seen it in glimpses like you, you he, yeah he he makes plays where you're like this is this is the Mathis we need because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know you don't necessarily need him to be a lockdown shooter but you uh a knockdown shooter I might have just said lockdown <laughs> uh, but you, you do need him to be an offensive threat because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you need some type Something. of score for your backcourt and mm-hmm. and right now it just feels like when you play a lineup of posh uh, Mathis and and Adewusu, mm-hmm. who's primarily been you know three with Champagne and Soriano to start. Mm-hmm. Those are all three slashers. Mm-hmm. And then you're talking about Soriano down there in the paint, who also really isn't moving past you know ten or twelve feet. Mm-hmm. So then you're talking about really only Champagne to stretch the floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why not just pack if you're, if you're looking at that lineup if you're the other team. Why not just pack the paint and have one guy, you know, basically just chase Champagne off the three-point line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and you know, it's it's you know they they need to find a much better balance, and and I think the first step because I don't want to be all negative, even though it's really easy after after a game like that. <laughs> this is the, the one time step, it would be okay to be negative, but but go ahead. <laughs> the first step, it has to be a lineup change, mm-hmm. right? It has to mm-hmm. be a change to the starting lineup. And and Troy, one thing I do want to ask you. Do you think in, in Anderson's ideal world heading into the season mm-hmm. that Aaron Wheeler would be starting at the five? His transition to the system has just taken a little bit longer. Yeah, I would think so because it, it seems like he's gotten it down now the last you know couple of, of games, I would say, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? I would because, Troy, I don't know if you remember, but mm-hmm. last year 
we were talking about and I, was it I can't remember which year. It might have been last year or two years ago. <laughs> we were talking about like, you know, what what an ideal lineup for St. John's yeah. would be. And I, and I mentioned that I think of playing a player like Christian Bishop at the five, who was at Cray and then yeah. transferred to Texas. Mm-hmm. I thought he'd be perfect. Somebody who's a little bit on the smaller side, but physical, can get down low, but can also stretch the floor. Aaron Wheeler is that type of player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we just really haven't seen it until the past, what, two or three games? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, 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 I don't know. In, in my mind, I think that Anderson probably would have wanted Aaron Wheeler starting from the get-go. It just you know hasn't really worked because he... Uh, let's let's be honest. He did struggle the first yeah, part of the season. For sure, it's not like he came in and we've been asking these questions. Why isn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, why isn't he getting more minutes and stuff for the uh, for the beginning of the season? He's definitely had to grow into it. And I think one player that we need to keep an eye on also is Stanley. Because mm-hmm. Stanley's also a really mobile five, mm-hmm. and I think right now he he plays good interior defense. I think he needs to work on when he gets switched on to guards, particularly in the UConn game. I think Gaffney blew by him a couple times yeah, he did. And, you know mm-hmm. you, you can't really have have that but he's also mobile five that um you know he, he this was probably his most aggressive night offensively mm-hmm. fortunately some of some of those layups and jump shots didn't go mm-hmm. but you know he could he could be someone to watch too to plug into that starting lineup i just think you know right now the the lineup to play that 40 minutes of hell and press it you know it it, it doesn't really gel right now mm-hmm. does it and and no you know, you always hear the cliche that when you play when you play teams uh, a system like that, it's got to be five guys on a string. You have mm-hmm. to move in sync, and they you know, know when when you press like that, it's the same thing in other sports like soccer. If you press, if you counter press high up the field, if one guy misses their assignment, you're completely exposed on the back end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's you know, and right now there a lot of guys are moving out of sync right now. You know, three years in, uh, you'd like to think that they'd be a little farther along in that probably. Mm-hmm. But this is unfortunately the the trade off when you know a lot of your team is built on transfer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes some time. Yeah. So so Saturday against Seton Hall, you want to oh, see? No. They have to play that game. <laughs> it's it's on the schedule right now. Both teams have had their COVID pauses, so I think we are going to play that game unless we get some sort of a blizzard or something in uh, in New York City on Friday night, which we might have to root for, I guess, at this point. Um, okay. so the starting five for that game. We want to see, obviously, Champagne, Posh, and Wusu. Yep. I would think we want to see Wheeler replacing Soriano, correct? I think so, yeah. And I'm then, I mean, you, the, you the can't keep starting Mathis. you can make some debate. You can't start Mathis again, the way that he's played. Yeah. I, I, I think maybe Steph Smith, I guess, it would be with the guy who would fill in there probably, right? I don't think that yeah, Mathis can start I mean, again. then you're just talking, you're talking really small. It's yeah. a big team. Mm-hmm. You're talking really small with that five. No, you're, yeah, that's right. That's true. And and also, too, one player we haven't we haven't even mentioned yet. But what what is the deal with Nywee? Because Nywee looked pretty good in the minutes he got this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously was affected by the COVID outbreak, and we haven't really seen too much of him since. Mm-hmm. Is, and is, I, I think he's another player who can probably contribute something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's like we said. You know, it wasn't like he was struggling because he was he was playing limited minutes anyways, and he was. 
playing pretty well in those limited minutes. So yeah, I don't understand where where he's gone that he hasn't you know gotten some of those Soriano minutes. Maybe I would think because he he looks you know I, I wouldn't say just as capable as Stanley, but kind of you know capable of giving you you know a solid ten minutes a game. Maybe I just I don't know where where his presence has gone either. Yeah, there's a lot of questions to be asked about. Like we said, this rotations. That's the biggest issue right now. I think is the rotations. Yeah, and you know, at, at the end of the day, I think one thing that St. John's fans are going to be questioning all season is the non-conference schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If if you played more than, I mean, I know they lost to Pitt, but like the two big tests heading into the season were were obviously on the road at Indiana, mm-hmm. and the, and then versus Kansas. But if you scheduled more than two games, uh, you probably know more about your yeah. more more than two games against you know high. Uh, and I'm not talking about you know doing what Villanova did and just traveling to every top five <laughs> team either because that that wouldn't have been beneficial uh-huh. either. Um, but if you just pick up games against you know a couple other Power Five teams and stuff and play yeah. against high level players, mm-hmm. you you probably know more about what rotations you need to compete at this level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not figuring it out in January in the Big East. You've you've already had a chance to figure it out in November and December, which is when I think a lot of other teams did probably. But then on the flip side to that, right, you mm-hmm. see the way they struggled against St. Francis Brooklyn and, mm-hmm. and NJIT and some of the other teams. It's like, you know, could, we'd be t- probably talking about this team completely different. Yeah. And they, so, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword on that front. But I, I think I'm going to choose, I don't know, would, would you feel better about this team right now? If They're 10-6 and six right now, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you feel better about them if they were, you know, 8-8 eight and eight or something like that, but, but played... Better, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I still then, think I probably and then would. And how could Fox put up their graphic of most seasons <laughs> coach with a, with a winning record? Yeah, that. right. It'd be in jeopardy. But I think I would feel more confident because at least I've seen them, even if they would have lost a few more, I, I've at least seen them play more power conference teams. And I would just feel more confident, you know, like we said, that they would kind of have defined roles, that they would kind of have defined rotations. And they just don't seem to have any of that right now, as opposed to some of these other teams in this conference where, you know, you kind of know this guy's going to do this, this guy's going to do that. You know, this guy plays well with this guy. We like kind of still don't know that with, with St. John's. And I think we're kind of starting to see it against the better teams in this conference, at least. And look, like, let's, let's be honest about it too. If, Villanova went to Creighton opening night of the Big East and it got absolutely yeah. smacked, right? Yeah, they did. But if, if St. John's had beat Indiana on the road or had played Kansas a little closer for the full 40 minutes, if they beat UConn, like if they beat Pitt too, mm-hmm. you'd be a little more willing to forgive this game. Definitely. But because of because of the struggles, they've made their... I mean, the chances for an at-large are almost non-existent at this point. Right now, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd be more willing to forgive a night like this if you would close down some of those other games. Definitely. And mm-hmm. and you can blame the rest for the UConn game all you want. They were atrocious. They were horrible. Mm-hmm. But that, that, is that really why they lost? No. Did, did the rest cause them to get down by a double-digit point? Like mm-hmm. that, you know, in, in, blaming the rest to me, well, I guess factually accurate of the UConn game, mm-hmm. you know, neglects a major part of that story. You can't start playing with 15 minutes left in the second half mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and this team 
you know, we we definitely saw it under under Mullen, and we're starting to see it under Anderson too. They're they're getting punched in the face for the first time in conference play, and that's not ideal at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're and like we'll, we'll we'll tie a bow on it. They're getting punched in the face, and sometimes they're not going to get up, like you said, and that's kind of what happened. What happened tonight, uh, Brendan? Thank you so much, man, for uh, for uh, coming on here and, and talking about this horrible horrible game. We we somehow talked about it for like. 20 30 minutes which i don't think i didn't think that would be possible at the start but i guess it was well, we a lot got of, in, we got into some some greater picture issues yeah that, that helped out yeah yeah and there was a lot of negatives to talk about it's always easy to talk about the negatives and the positives you know it's it's just it's easier it's easier to complain than to praise yeah so i, I might be resigning from seeing red soon hopefully for the good of, of st john's basketball <laughs> i might have to take one for the team but always a pleasure talking to you Joy. yes brendan enjoy the rest of your night man we will talk to you again at some point this season i'm sure we'll we'll get over the uh we'll, we'll have you on for like a georgetown or depaul game and then and then, uh, and then we'll test. i look i look forward to talking with you and kevin on the season end recap. yes yes we do have to do that as well all right man enjoy the rest of your night uh, i'll talk to you soon Joy. all right bye all right, that was Brendan Myers. Thank you, as always, to Brendan for coming on. Does a wonderful, wonderful job. He is our longest tenured guest, our first ever guest, and he's the only guy to come on, uh, or one of the only guys to come on all four seasons. Very happy to have him on uh, for another season, and hopefully we will hear from him again at some point uh, later this season uh, when we do have maybe an earlier tip-off like tonight. But thank you once again to Brendan. Uh, the show's been going on for you know 40-something minutes now, so I'll just wrap it up here. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back probably Monday night uh, for a Seton Hall or St. John's Seton Hall recap. I won't do anything on Saturday. I'll be at that game, like I said, uh, unfortunately. So we'll do a show then, or we'll do a show on Monday, and uh, and that'll be our next show. So looking forward to that. Hopefully it's after a win, but more than likely it's going to be after a game like tonight, unfortunately. So we'll see about that. Uh, as always, thank you everyone for listening. If you've made it 43 minutes into this show, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you are a diehard, diehard fan if you're still listening to this thing 43 minutes uh, in after that ter- terrible, terrible performance. So thank you everyone, and I'll be back on Monday uh, with a St. John's versus Seton Hall recap. And as always, let's go, Johnnies. Let's go, Johnnies.